This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by Banatrol. If you suffer from diarrhea caused by IBS or any other type of digestive issue that's preventing you from leaving your house due to the fear of flare-ups, check out Banatrol from Medtrition. Banatrol stops diarrhea without causing constipation and is safe to take every day. Unlike over-the-counter and prescription medications would cause constipation and disrupt digestive health, Banatrol takes a nutritional approach. The all-natural formula contains only two ingredients, a proprietary blend of dehydrated banana flakes paired with a clinically proven GOS fiber. After prescribing Banatrol to some of my patients with IBS associated with GI urgency and diarrhea, several have pronounced it a godsend. You can try Banatrol risk-free for 30 days by going to trybanatrol.com. If for any reason it doesn't work, you'll receive a 100% refund of the purchase price. That's T-R-Y-B-A-N-A-T-R-O-L.com. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and now for something completely different, because I don't think we've ever covered this topic uh, in my entire career of broadcasting, Uh, but it's an important topic because it's a topic that afflicts a very, very high percentage of Americans and people across the world, and we're talking about shoulder problems. In particular, an entity that is sometimes referred to as frozen shoulder uh, I have here with me uh, a movement specialist and an expert in treating chronic musculoskeletal conditions, uh, my good colleague, Dr. Arkady Lipnitsky. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the entity that's referred to as frozen shoulder. So welcome. It's a pleasure having you, you on Thank you. Medicine, um, Arkady. Always a lot of fun talking to you on the radio. Right. And, and I, I learn a lot because I got to, you know, my internal medicine knowledge is uh, extremely deep, but in terms of the musculoskeletal system, I just barely passed anatomy, and I, that's how I got through medical school. And, and I love sharing. <laughs> and I didn't, and I didn't, I didn't look back after that. So the shoulder is a very, very complex uh, entity. It's a very complex mechanism. It's a beautiful mechanism when it works, but a lot can go wrong. So uh, the first question I'd want to pose to you is like, why is the shoulder so problematic as a joint? What what makes it so vulnerable to problems? Well, great question. And uh, the answer is simple. It's the only suspended joint uh, with a very complex movement in every uh, line of movement. Therefore, uh, and we expect uh, and we load that shoulder uh, repetitively, daily, with pretty much every activity. Uh, we don't have to be athletes or you know professional uh, uh, musicians to load the shoulder repetitively. Uh, I think every daily activity will do that. And uh, like you said, there's a lot of things that can go wrong with one of the strings. And when I say strings, if you imagine anything that's suspended, and that suspended mechanism depends on muscles that is suspended on, or I like to compare it to strings. Just like a little toy being suspended on the strings, if you pull the strings, one string in the wrong direction, all the other strings have to reflect on that. If you cut off one of the strings, all the other strings will reflect on that as well. So the movement of 
the capsule itself, of the joint itself, depends on a multitude of strings pulling in different directions or muscles and reflecting upon each other or compensating to each other. And that's what becomes complex in the traumas or pathologies of the shoulder. Uh, and often certain things become misdiagnosed because in anticipation to see one thing, we often skip or forget to look at others. And just because the muscle, muscle is not torn or uh, showing any pathology, signs of pathology on uh, imaging like MRI, it does not mean that the muscle functions in a perfect way. And often that muscle will be a compensatory muscle, which will compensate to inactivity or, or a pathology or trauma of a different string or different muscle. And on itself, by compensation, can create a chronic pathological process or repetitive injury syndrome, inflammation, pain, and so on and so forth. So there's this thing that people refer to, frozen shoulder. So uh, on your website, and I'll mention it, it's, it's, a, it's a nice questionnaire. It's a questionnaire that you can uh, take yourself uh, to do a little self-assessment. It's rebalancenyc.com slash frozen shoulder and if you go there on the rebalancenyc.com website there's a questionnaire and it helps you assess whether you have this this condition of frozen shoulder so what's interesting about it is it starts off by saying what is your biological sex and in this day and age of you know uh you know like uh cis trans you know it it's a what it was is, is it discriminating you know men versus women you know what's the deal here why it almost why do you, seems this why way up but, front do you ask right, about but you know sex certain pathologists that do discriminate against certain sexes as we know right so uh as we're going to be discussing uh, i guess further this particular condition frozen shoulder or often called also adhesive capsulitis is more medical term for that will be targeting significantly, again, in my experience, significantly more female patients than male patients. And again, there's a reason behind this, uh, and we'll discuss it as well. So that's why in a questionnaire, whether, you know, for yourself to take a test and find out if you have, if your shoulder pain is actually developing or already established frozen shoulder, it's a very simple uh, few questions questionnaire that will help you to identify, you'll get an answer right away, whether you are uh, you know, prone to this condition, whether your symptoms demonstrating signs of this condition, and whether you should take action immediately and maybe not procrastinate regarding this condition. And why is it important to you know, say people generally don't want to go to the doctor, it's very convenient, Mostly people say, you know, this, this eventually will get better. Uh, you know, I'll just, you know, tincture of time. I'll just let it get better. Is there a danger in, in letting a frozen shoulder stay frozen? Well, as a matter of fact, what's interesting about frozen shoulder, it's if it's a, there's two different types, but if it's a primary uh, or idiopathic frozen shoulder, it actually self-resolving condition. Actually, okay. will go away by itself. 
it will take about three years to do so. Oh, no. So I'm not sure how many... That's uh, not on my right, timetable. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, not on mine either. And uh, majority of people really cannot uh, and will not tolerate the inability to move the shoulder beyond a very short range and not being able to sleep on it, not being able to do most of the daily activity. And, and often, you know, you should, we should ask a question, quality of life. Do we have a quality of life we, if we cannot do the most basic things? Mm-hmm. So the truth is, yes, the faster you react, the what, faster what, what you find out. What are some of those things like, you know, fastening your bra from behind? or well, uh, any, any what we call internal, external rotation of the shoulder will be uh, very sensitive or actually a, in a, unable to perform. Uh, so yes, reaching, you know, lifting so, your arm beyond 90 degrees forward or sideways, that would be one of them, uh, inability to do so. Or, or bringing your uh, arm to the back uh, of your back, basically, like you said, trying to tie up the touch, bra. Touch your or sacrum, even, like right at the top of your butt. Correct. Kind of so, if you can't do that, that's, that's already a sign. That, it's a sign, it's one of the signs, yeah. right? Uh, or, or tying up your, your ponytail, you, or brushing your hair. Oh, okay. That would be another sign. Uh, we're literally, a, we're just a, looking to a very... I'm, I'm not a hipster, I don't have a ponytail, but it's, it's okay, I mean, I it's get it. It's still healthy to brush your hair. <laughs> well, in any case, it's, it's a simple questionnaire that will demonstrate, uh, in a very simple form and, and movement, whether you are considered to be at risk or you should be, uh, you know, maybe stepping ahead a little bit and do some analysis of, of this condition. Uh, because it's, it's one of the conditions that often misdiagnosed and, and misinterpreted. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very misunderstood condition as well. Uh, and there are plenty of other shoulder related, you know, shoulder pain conditions that will be so there's a very similar. Diagnosis. There's a different, it could be a tear of something or Absolutely. Okay. We can have anything from the capsular tear to a tendons tear to Elegamental uh, changes or, within or the arth- shoulder, arthritis actually in or, or in, actual in arthritis the of the cartilage, right. correct inside right. the joint. Okay. So there's a whole spectrum of, of problems, or even a, a neck pain that can radiate mm-hmm. to the shoulder, okay. create a very similar uh, symptoms. Yeah, you know, it's not going to limit the range of motion, but mm-hmm. we're still going to have very similar pain-related symptoms. Okay, so first thing people want, you know, they get a pain, you know, somewhere. They go, want to go for an MRI, and you mentioned MRIs earlier, and you said MRIs, you know, they can be useful, but is that the end-all and be-all of diagnosing well, this? I'm going to give you my opinion on that, and I'm sure a lot of colleagues will disagree, but People I think who do the MRIs test may disagree. Might be. Uh, <laughs> I think any test, regardless of what test we do, has to change the dynamic of a treatment, or at least an approach. Mm-hmm. If your basic physical examination if you hopefully extensive uh, questionnaire and you know history taking skills cannot narrow down the problem and you think that there are multiple treatment approaches and you cannot pick one based on established diagnosis then I think further testing like MRI or, or uh, some other imaging would be appropriate. Not X-ray, by the way. It's not going to show pretty much we'll show anything. Yeah, what do you want to see? The but soft very tissue. mild arthritis. You want to see the soft tissue. Um, so that's that would be uh, some. When the patient calls and asks me if they they want to come for consultation, if I need the MRI, my answer is no. 
I need your shoulder and I need your story. Mm -hmm. Because there's significantly more and, that and we can get. And you're examining hands and your eyes. Significantly more we can get out of the properly questioning the patient and getting to the bottom of the, you know, the problem versus uh, looking at the images. Um, and especially with the frozen shoulder. So there's an interesting piece to your questionnaire here. It's like right below, you know, what's your biological sex? Uh, have you been diagnosed or do you believe you have any of the following? Diabetes, thyroid conditions, adrenal stress, testosterone imbalance, or hormonal imbalance? Now that's an interesting question. That's even before you ask people whether people can brush their hair or tie their ponytail or reach behind them. You ask about these other conditions, do they have a bearing on whether someone has a likelihood of frozen shoulder? As a matter of fact, they do, and uh, that's what idiopathic frozen shoulder, again, from my experience, and uh, I've been doing for, for 20 years. We don't know years. the specific cause. Correct. Idiopathic is unknown cause, but it's every idiopathic condition or unknown so, uh, cause condition often has a very strong linkage Mm -hmm. to certain uh, basis. Mm -hmm. In show frozen shoulder, we have a very, very strong basis to connect it with different hormonal imbalances. And that's practically why we see it more in women than, than men. Uh, I would say probably two to one, because at certain age, and I would say the age would range for true frozen shoulder between about 35 to 55. At certain age, especially with very early changes of uh, hormones, whether it's related to early menopause or any other problems, and uh, you will probably be able to expand more on that, but uh, I think even problems like diabetes or uh, even autoimmune problems are often arises after the age of 30, or at least we see them more uh, giving symptoms after the age of 30. So developing this condition, you know, I would say the mid-range of 40, you know, to 45, would not be a surprise if somebody is developing a uh, any other uh, condition related to hormones or autoimmune problems. Or inflammation. Now, Infl inflammation well, plays a role in this. Basically, the linkage is the following. Uh, we know how important the estrogen, and not only estrogen, but only also insulin and uh, and uh, adrenals, uh, how important they are to our healthy collagen formation, to our healthy uh, cell regeneration, especially in the uh, area of uh, musculoskeletal, uh, as well as uh, the blood vessels. The background of frozen shoulder right now uh, tightly linked to loss of vascularization or drying mm -hmm. of like small a, blood vessels. Like a desiccation. So, Desic so right. women who may experience like vaginal atrophy, you know, pain on intercourse or vaginal dryness, it's not just that tissue that may be becoming desiccated. It may be their joints, literally, that become desiccated. Their, their skin surfaces, the internal synovial membranes, the capsular And material. it's linked to the oxygen intake and delivery of that oxygen by small blood vessels. Okay. 
So we see the dryness of the blood vessels or closure of the small blood vessels mm -hmm. that deliver the oxygen and life to a ligament or a capsule of the shoulder. And the capsule of the shoulder becomes scarred. It almost like it freezes and becomes fibrotic. And we call it fibrotic. Tightens up. It's a, it's a lot of scar tissue mm -hmm. that being developed around it. And yes, it closes. Mm -hmm. It tightens up. Mm -hmm. So not only that it sucks the head of the humerus and the, the actual the bone that, that we're supposed to move the arm on, it also limits the movement altogether of the capsule. And now the strings that are moving that capsule freak out. Because okay. they have no idea what's happening. Okay, and they're, and not, they and they're start not very pulling. strong. I, you know, I remember from anatomy class, they're little, really tiny, tiny muscles. You know, we think of muscles as being like your thigh muscles and your biceps, but these muscles are very. Well, small. Some of them are larger, some of them are smaller. But what happens now? We have a larger muscle to start compensating. Okay. So, for example, it's, what happens pulling, when we cannot? It's pulling hard. We, we cannot open the capsule, shoulder capsule. Mm -hmm. We're still going to attempt to do so mm -hmm. using our movers right we have muscles that stabilize us and muscles that move us so one of the biggest compensator of upper uh, upper body is a trapezius muscle the muscle oh. runs from the neck down to the shoulder down to the shoulder and blades neck tension and all that going on well and that's exactly what happens the, the trapezius muscle starts overpowering everything else trying mm -hmm. to lift up the arm mm -hmm. and still uh, restore that mobility using absolutely inappropriate muscle movement mm. okay so with this very similar scenario happening with the muscle that lays underneath the shoulder blade, like subscapularis. We also have another muscle that becomes almost inactive, and it's a very important muscle that creates depression of the shoulder, internal rotation of the shoulder, meaning it, it brings the shoulder inside, called uh, uh, latissimus. It's a big, broad muscle mm -hmm. inside. Now, the, the so-called lats, your right, lats. That disengagement of movement and overpowering of other muscles creates a disbalance. It, it's a, in a way, it's the body's effort to protect the shoulder, you know, because it's it's pulling it in, holding it in place, preventing injury, but in effect it becomes locked. Is that something? Is there something to that when it's responding to pain signals? Well, besides, absolutely, well, the body doesn't want you to move something that's chronically inflamed. Right. The body also doesn't want you to move anything that's in pain. Mm -hmm. So you disengage that, that that movement process, you disengage the uh, muscle activity, but you still need to move. You still need to brush your hair and mm -hmm. get something off the shelf. So what happens, you, you just lock up the muscle and you start overusing other muscles. And okay. that's where the word repetitive, well, the, the phrase repetitive injury syndrome comes into play. It turns into repetitive mm -hmm injury to muscles that were just absolutely healthy and have nothing to do with this problem. That's where a lot of times people come like, well, yeah, it's frozen, but that's not what bothers me. This actually doesn't move because stage two of this condition, the inflammation dies down, the, the pain, you know, relatively uh, uh, insignificant, but now we have pain in compensatory areas. Mm. We have pain in the spine, in the okay. neck, we have pain okay getting headaches yeah. because now trapezius is constantly pulling down on the on the base of the skull creating inflammation in, in that area and creating chronic headaches wow. so people actually often come in just like we start asking them how's your blood sugar level and how's your energy level and how do you sleep at night and you know how much do you sweat and and they like, wait a second 
I'm telling you about my neck pain, my headaches, and you're asking about all these foreign questions. Well, yes. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's important to ask these questions because if you don't want to keep on misdiagnosing something, mistreating something, you need to get to the bottom of the problem. Well, anecdotally, I will, I will tell you something that's interesting is that they have done studies of the symptoms that women have in menopause in the United States versus in Japan. Mm-hmm. And in the United States, you know, it's, it's kind of a cultural joke. It's like, okay, uh, could you please, uh, you know, open the window here? You know, it's a little too warm in here. And then, you know, a little giggle. And it's like, oh, a little uh, hot flash, right? Uh, if you told that joke in Japan, for the most part, they would just have a give you a blank stare. They would say, what are you talking about? Because people in Japan consume an enormous amount of soy, which actually has been shown to alleviate hot flashes. But the cultural joke there that's going to elicit a little bit of a titter, a little bit of a laugh, is sore shoulder. And when you say sore shoulder, then that's when the joke engages, oh, you're going through the change. Because it is there, because of the soy, they they mask the symptoms of hot flashes, but they can't get rid of the symptoms of sore shoulder associated and, with menopause. And again, not that, we don't want to freak everybody out, not that everybody gets this problem. No, it's not, it's not universal, right, right. but it, it is a susceptibility. It's a time of vulnerability when women can be more prone to that. And I also think, you know, women have a little bit weaker musculature overall, so they're a little more prone to problems. Is that possibly true? Well, again, with even very active women with age, we know that it's much harder to recruit muscles, uh, and it has to do with uh, hormones as well. And, uh, of course, the muscles will not be as powerful and as strong, but we, we see quite uh, I actually just recently had a very uh, nice lady coming all the way from Costa Rica. Uh, she's been a yoga and Tai Chi instructor mm-hmm. for many, many years. Extremely well fit. Uh, really well tuned with herself. She does meditations on a regular basis. So you really can't say that this person is not fit. Not fit, yeah. She's perfectly fit. Yet she's going through this condition for the past nine months and... Mm-hmm. Uh, it completely shut down her life. She had couldn't do downward dog and did different She was like actually teaching with one arm. Oh no! Yeah, for nine months, yeah. and this person, it, it was interesting because she only could stay for uh, ten days. She had to get back to work and uh, go back to Costa Rica, and it was probably one of the most challenging, quick treatment I ever was pushed on myself uh, because it's not, it's I know not, it's it, not ideal if it's like here well, I'm here for 10 days fix there's me. no miracle yeah you know, right there's no miracle yeah. everything even with the most perfect program takes time mm-hmm. but when she walked in uh, on treatment number three or day number three uh, it wasn't consecutive days uh, and she said doc I mean her range of motion started progressing really fast but the pain that was really debilitated her she said it was the first night in nine months that I slept. That you see, that's that the amazing benefit that mm-hmm. you can you know get to somebody almost immediately. And this is something that uh, really, and we'll, we'll touch upon uh, the program that uh, I have created, and there's a reason behind it. But uh, it's it's that debilitation of not only not being able to do your daily activity or do your you know daily work. It's not being able to sleep. Yeah. And that's sometimes how bad it gets. You know, it's it's annoying. It's not going to curtail your longevity, but, you know, it just 
curtails your functionality, especially if you're an active uh, athletic individual or if your profession depends on it. Uh, it can be quite devastating. Okay, we're going to, in part two, we're going to talk about some specific measures to address frozen shoulder with our guest movement specialist and expert in chronic conditions. He takes care of many uh, athletes and, uh, you know, professionals and amateurs as well as uh, dancers and musicians. artists and, mus- you know, musicians uh, who can be prone to this because of repetitive stress injury um, here in New York City at uh, Rebalance NYC. Check out the website, rebalancenyc.com, for information about uh, for the questionnaire we're talking about. And he also has a wonderful ebook there that you can look at uh, that describes uh, frozen shoulder and some of the treatment approaches, which we'll get into in part two. So we'll be right back with uh, Dr. Arkady Lipnitsky. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast.